Hey, what's up? Welcome to Taurus season. I'm a little late, yes, 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 but better late than never. Yo, <laughs> welcome to the Painful Podcast. I am the Painful, and this space is for you. Welcome to the bonfire, guys. Welcome to the grounds of fertility here, where we are teachable and we apply the things that we learn in our lives and we share those life lessons as gifts. We also have elders. Thus, we're not wandering lone wolves in these streets without any guidance. We apply the wisdom and guidance of the elders for a smooth and prosperous life, for that is the only life they want for us to live. And if they do not, then they are not elders. They are not qualified elders. If you do not know who I am, I am a full-time artist. I teach art to the little ones. I teach art to adults. Um, I am the creator and producer of YouTube and now Goddess Talk Network art series called The Painted Fool's Paint House, in which I teach uh, art to the little ones about ages one to seven. It is a family-oriented show, but there I uh, introduce different ways to teach children how to bring their art to life and to save the day. And um, we learn, we have different like gifts and abilities and little magic tricks that we use to do that. So feel free to check me out on YouTube, but also I'm on the Goddess Talk Network that is now streaming on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, and now Comcast Big South. So shout out to the Goddess Talk Network. Uh, in the midst of those other things, I am also a children's book illustrator with a total of now, I believe, nine uh, children's books that have been published and available out in different stores. And if you are ever curious about other things that I do, my website is jgreenartofficial.com. Now, this space here, this communal space, this space of pretty much everything, this kind of um, virtual toy box, so to speak. Um, the painful.com is where you'll find just information about me, who I am, what I do outside of this. And, um, you know, you'll see just kind of see my mission of just being myself and, and being that beacon of light for you to be yourself too. My, my thing for you is to be yourself more and more each day and mind your business, you know, tend to your life and just enjoy your life. You know, that's my thing. So the painful.com just has just bits of me and, um, people I love, elders I love and respect and things of that nature. And also just down to the kind of materialistic things, speaking of Taurus season that we are in, we'll talk about that a little bit. But yeah, so, yo, I was going through it. This, this, uh, <laughs> this Taurus season, let me tell you, not in a bad, well, I wouldn't say in a bad way. It was just challenging. I had a lot of, a lot of work on the desk. Yo, I've never been this busy in my life thus far. And, um, yeah, it almost got to the point where I was about to make a public, <laughs> a public announcement of, yo, like, give me some healing. Like, yo, I need some, <laughs> I need some, I need some, uh, some words of affirmation sent my way. I'm a little overwhelmed right now. I was at that point. But um, yeah, now things have smoothed out so much and I have gotten so much work off my desk and I'm grateful to have been able to get a lot of that done and to be able to have serviced that many clients and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was crazy. So I'm going to kind of, well, let me just tell you now. So, you know, this is, I've been recently kind of exploring my natal chart. And although I won't reveal too much about my natal chart, I will tell you that um, for those of you who do know a little bit about this, so my Venus is in Taurus and my Taurus in, my, in the houses of my chart is in the 10th house. So um, 
we'll talk a little bit about Venus and Taurus, like superficial stuff, not even, not even that, but, and then the house. So the 10th house deals with, you have, um, ooh, losing my train of thought already. Uh, <laughs> it deals with career, reputation, public image, and all that good stuff. And Taurus is, um, that's where, that's where my placement is. That's my 10th house. It's in my 10th house placement. So whenever the sun hits Taurus season, um, that's the area of my life that gets a little bit of um, attention or sometimes a lot of attention, depending upon where all the other things are going and how life is going. But yeah, I did not notice this until I looked at my life. And I mean, I scrolled through like emails and pictures of, of this time for the past couple of years. And I'm going back as far as 10 years. And I've noticed that each year there was either the loss of a job, the, uh, the intensity of a, of a job or client work, the changed direction of a career or some type of public thing like last year, at this time, I launched the Paint of Fool's Paint House. It was in May of 2020. And that was, that's Taurus season, actually. I, um, I, got, I mean, I got so many different jobs and I got let go of other jobs or, you know, left jobs or whatever it was. And uh, that has been a huge, a huge thing for me. I've had moments where I was struggling and then got a job in Taurus season and, you know, things just got, got better for me. But I've noticed that in around, we're talking sometimes mid to end April and then to like mid to middle to the end of May is when I usually get jobs or have some type of career experience or something. So this was just looking, I mean, I'm looking, I was literally looking back at emails that I were sent about interviews I've obtained and what dates the interviews were. And I looked back at like what happened around that time in an astrological sense. And I'm like, yo, this is so bizarre. It's just so fascinating to see the parallels and things. But yeah, so this particular year though, it's just been a bit more intense, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I'm just glad it's over for the most part. <laughs> so it, it, pushed a lot of things that I wanted to do kind of off, but at least a lot of the things that I've been investing in this year has been more towards myself. You know, it's been, it's been about J Green Multimedia. It's been about the paint house and it's been about, you know, expanding that. So I'm proud. I'm proud of it. It's just been, it's just been a little wild. So we're going to talk about Taurus season. We're going to talk about the Taurus personality. We're going to talk a little bit about the planet Venus and all of that good stuff and things that you may have experienced in Taurus season that, you know, you maybe you didn't realize. And if you can look back into around that time, during the time the sun entered it, what, you know, what may have happened or whatever. So, all right, <laughs> I gave you my personal chart information. I talked about just the, the house that Venus, I meant that Taurus is in. So now Venus, Venus placements, though, in, in the charts. So Venus itself, no, we're not talking about the planet right now, but we're kind of talking about it. The placement of Venus in your chart or in the constellations can affect certain things. But Venus as a, as a whole, it's not, I mean, a lot of people tend to focus, put Venus's focus on um, romantic relationships and, and just like love and, and that type of stuff and beauty. Just, it's, that to me is super basic and super superficial. But there's so many other things that Venus 
tends to include relationships in general, attraction, and not necessarily the attraction of, again, not the romantic attraction that people immediately bring their imagery to. It's just, it's that attraction, at just overall attraction. The ideas of your personal values, your own aesthetic even, things that you like or things that attract to you, there's just a, those are just a few of the, the additional things that Venus covers. So maybe you pretend you, maybe you're more, you lean more towards um, having like a certain look or you may like certain clothing or even a certain, a certain fragrance, something, all those things kind of, they tie into Venus and depending upon where it is in your chart can express itself in the personality in that way. So it's different, you know, like for me in my, in my, in my personal life, I noticed that this sidebar, like one of my love languages and relationships is food. I love to eat. Now, granted, I'm small, very small. <laughs> those, those types of expressions from people that I trust, you know, prov being provided food or some type of healing, uh, those types of things, it means a lot to me. Just random gifts. It could be small. It could just be a written letter, handwritten letter with like rose petals and, and scent, scented letters you know, with a fountain pen, that's my stuff. That's my style. I love that type of stuff. Um, I love fragrances. I've always loved skincare and, and body care. I've, that's just the, some of the things that, and how it shows up in my life. I'm also very physically affectionate. I, I love touching. And um, those people who are close to me know that. That's just kind of what I do. I love to touch and, and, and that's just my thing. But um, it's just, it's other things that Venus and Taurus expressions show through on, uh, on an internal sense. But yeah, so that's just, you know, just a little bit about me. But depending upon where Venus is in, in the constellation in your chart, then, you know, it will show up differently. So if you have Venus and Capricorn, you may show up differently. Maybe your style is different or maybe what you like is different and the things you may be invested in is different. It just shows up differently for all of us. So it's pretty neat to see. And when you compare many people with the Venus and Taurus, but that's just not, that's not the full of it because of course you have other aspects of the chart, other aspects of your life that are made up. You will find parallels. You will find some similarities. It's pretty neat. Now, sidebar, before we get into all of this, please note this was instilled to me through Chief Yuya, by the way. And he mentioned that, and this is, he mentioned this about the Arisha, but I also apply this to other things. He said, you know, whenever you want to study any particular deity or anything, always, always remember that it is a part of a, it's a part of, of, of a system. I'm, I'm summarizing it. There is a family in everything. So you don't study Shango without Oshun. You don't study Shango without Oya. You don't study, you know, Oshun. there's different things. You, you always study complements and study the, the fullness or study the thing holistically. Yes, you can, of course, um, itemize, and own in on something to a degree of just trying to understand it in its own individual sense. But it's best to consider the fullness of the thing. And I think that's where it, it will, it's, it's more so for, your, for the health of your brain. It helps you to connect dots. And it reminds you, it, it places in your subconscious the, the reminder that everything is a part of a whole. And if you consider the whole, things will make sense. But trying to um, disassemble just one thing and look at it, it, it's, it is useful 
but never forget to look at things in a holistic sense. So even though we may be talking about Taurus or Venus, just remember there's it's made up of a larger thing. So yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's pretty neat. So anyway, so here we are into into Taurus. Now I have to profess my love for Taurus first before we get into Taurus. Well, I'm going to get into Taurus as I profess my love because you'll see why. Taurus, firstly, are very underrated. I find that they are kind of obscure. And for some reason, I, I don't know why that is. Like, you know that there's other zodiac expressions, personality expressions, or even just the overall zodiac sign that gets a bit more attention. And I find that Taurus is one of those signs that just doesn't receive a lot of attention, a lot of a lot of study or um, a lot of focus. Pisces is like that too. Like Pisces, now of course, yes, Pisces is the last is the last one of the zodiac wheel. But I find that Pisces are kind of just they're kind of obscure too. There's just people really don't explore Pisces energy as much, nor do they explore Taurus energy as much. So. I've had I've had the pleasure of at least exploring different Taurus, well not exploring, but experiencing Taurus personalities through through many people that I know. And I just love Taurus. So there is there is something about the fact that I can hold conversations with Taurus for hours. Taurus and I can talk and talk and talk. And that's one of the ways that you'll know a Taurus may be interested in you is, and I mean, not necessarily in a romantic sense, but Taurus will express their interest in you through engaged conversation. And we can talk. I, I love Taurus. We can talk for hours. There is something so, from the ones that I have met, now I will explore the kind of evolved Taurus and more of the underdeveloped. <laughs> Taurus personality expression. But on the evolved expression, they have just this. You always feel like when you're speaking to a Taurus, the conversation this sounds this sounds so superficial and metaphorical, but and it kind of is. But you will find that you're anchored in in speaking. Like you'll find that. When you try to go off in distant lands and try to daydream, a Taurus will just not even forcefully, they will just kind of bring you back to bring you back to reality. Even if they are exploring esoteric things or the unseen and they're having different conversations or they're we're exploring the, the ethers or whatever, they're going to always bring it to a just kind of a calm approach. Very similar to Aquarians. Well, at least, at least, this, yeah, I, I'm going to say very similar to Aquarians. They do. There's just a couple that, that do that, where you may go off on a tangent, and they just have this way of just asking you questions to kind of bring you back. Sometimes it may, it may take you further, but Taurus does it faithfully. And I like that about Taurus. I like the, the attention that they place onto practical matters when it comes to health and wellness, that is one of the biggest, biggest things about Taurus. They are the, the biggest proponents of health and wellness. I don't know. Now, okay, 
So Aquarian's proponent of health and wellness is about mental freedom and autonomy. That's their thing. Like Aquarians will fight for your autonomy. They will fight for your freedom. Taurus will, will go in for your, your, the, earthly, the earthly matters, health and wellness, the joy and being uh, healthy and wealthy, of course. But it's, it's all so simple. It's just here is, the, here is the problem and here is the solution. And that's it. And then you have, say, for instance, maybe Virgo. They're, they're kind of about, even though they are devoted to service, their attention, and yeah, they do, they, they do tend to f have this thing about trying to fix people, but their superpower is more so in establishing or reaching excellence, self-excellence. That's their superpower. Tara's superpower is just having an uncanny ability to work with earthly things. And I'll explain what that means. We're talking about, and this is in a metaphorical sense as well, but we're talking about, think about, think about when you dig down into the earth and you see people, these archaeologists and, and all these different people. I don't know if there's a term for people who, who I guess miners. Yeah, that's, a, that's an example. Think about when you mine deep into the earth. You know, you find these different ores and you find these different metals and, and valuable metals that uh, you can polish and create something amazing out of them and you find the value. But also, the deeper you dig, you can find the roots of some of the, the largest trees. To me, that is where so much of of our answers to a lot of our questions are. And that's something that Taurus explore. This um, earthly matters in the sense of the roots. So a Taurus will, and these are, this is based upon my personal experience, by the way, they will point you to, yes, health and wellness. But the, the biggest thing that I have noticed is their focus on seeing the problem at the source of a thing and introducing the solution. So going to the root and going and, and then finding out the solution to say, for instance, any type of malady or whatever that may be seen or established at the root. Not only are they gifted in creating and finding medicines for things at the root or, or going deep, they go as far as looking through and seeking out uh, ancestral information. They go out and seeking family tree information. All of this, this stuff that helps you to further your lineage, but in a holistic and healthier, closest to the earth way, not the world's way. They are earthly and they celebrate their earthliness and they have joy in being on the earth. It's different. So because they are earthly and not worldly, you will find that they have, they do march to the beat of their own drum. And they are the types that are going to tell you, I do what the fuck I want. <laughs> That's a Taurus. They will do what they want. And that does, no one is going to shake that. Some would say that's, that's, a, that's a stubbornness. I call that resoluteness. And I, I support and 100% endorse that sense of knowing who they are. Now, 
this doesn't mean that just because they, they tend to have this, this stubbornness that they are not open to, open to other ways of seeing things or open to different perspectives. It just has to make sense to them. If you are great at explaining things to them, and if you can show and prove to them, if you can, if you can um, change and show how their facts, facts or, or their something is wrong, then they will reluctantly, but they will, they will, okay, offer and they will see your perspective and, and then and move on with their lives. But that resoluteness is something that for me, I enjoy. Uh, there is a predictability to them that there is nothing inherently wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that, that knowing, being able to tell that they're going to do a certain thing. For me, in a partner, I need that. I need that predictability and, and stability. You know, and, and have a little edge to be spontaneous, but to know that you are not going to change as much is what I personally need for my life. <laughs> that's what I need. But um, Taurus just, that's their, back to the superpower. So that whole, that whole ability to see to see, in the, to see in the dirt and see in the ground and pretty much make healing balms and find solutions to, to me, they're like the original medicine men and women to me. That's just to me. I find that they are the ones who can, like, you know, out of, out of the three earth signs, you have Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. Taurus are the ultimate healers. They are the ones that, what is it? I think their, their motto is, is, or their mantra is I have, but although it is I have, it is not in the possessive, superficial sense that a lot of people preach. What Taurus, Taurus is, is, is like the symbol of the actual earth. It's like the earth has solutions to every damn thing. The earth provides as much as it has inside of itself. It has, it has much to offer. Just, just think of Taurus as like the, the kind of like the closer, the closest expression to Mother Nature out of the zodiac expressions, I mean. It's the closest example of just Earth and all of the, the things that Earth provides, all of the everything, the sustenance. And uh, it's, it's not as maternal as cancer, I'd say. You know, whereas cancer is, it's super motherly. It's just super, it's just that Taurus is like, here I am. And, but at the same time now, you, you must be worth it though. It's kind of like, all right, so I know I just kind of explained it as like this open kind of just busted open earth. That's like, yo, take everything. But that's not, <laughs> that's not necessarily the case. You have to be willing. You have to take it serious too. If you are one who maybe you're almost pilgrimage to, to health and wellness, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to do the work. Taurus are pretty serious. So, yes, they do. They do have sense of humor and things of that nature. You may find that they aren't as goofy and aren't as silly as, say, other expressions are. They do have a sense of humor, but it may not be what, what you're used to. Their, their humor is centered around more so reality. 
it's a reality thing. You know, whereas Leo can be super extra and just say something off the top of their head. They're thinking about something wild and imaginative and it makes you laugh. Like for me, I'll say something super crazy. And for some it's funny, but for others it isn't. More of those serious, it just, it just, it isn't what it is. But Taurus, they just, this sense of humor is just, it's just interesting. But I think one of their challenges, though, is in how they can be critical. They can be hypercritical of themselves. And that can kind of bleed into how they interact in their, in their pers personal relationships. So, for instance, a Taurus who, because they're all, about, they're all about this kind of progress and moving forward, kind of like Capricorn, kind of like Capricorn. It's just that Capricorn, they never get tired. They never, they never burn out for some reason. Taurus are the type where they may tend to take frequent breaks. Like they will, they will have this desire to make something from their life and they may have it early, but whereas the, the Capricorn will just stay at it consistently, although it will take time, the Taurus will make moves and then chill. Sometimes even get lazy and just be like, all right, I'll get to it they tend to take their leisure. So Taurus are known as late bloomers in some cases, but they have this, this unmatched ability to stream in multiple streams of income. They just do. But back to their hypercritical nature. So yes, they can be very hypercritical of themselves. And in some cases, if they have children, it may bleed into how they treat their children or their spouses. Um, or how whoever's in their in their immediate immediate family now they control it to where it doesn't bleed into their their regular social life if you're not as close to them but if you live in their four corners you're most likely going to receive some of that erratic energy or maybe a bit more strict energy that uh, they may have and that's just due to them having that sense of yeah again it's like this it's just it's a firmness. So some Taurus parents, yes, they could be firm. You will find them to be firm. And then while they're being firm, they may cry about it a couple of days later because they're like, yo, I think I'm, am I too hard? Am I not good? Am I da 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 da? And that's part of their, that's part of the challenge. But Taurus needs to know that you, you can actually, as much as this, this earth has its challenges, and we are living, we can be living partially in, in worldly matters. It is okay to, um, to just kind of take it easy. It is, it is okay to take it easy. There's so much that, there's so much that, that Taurian energy has to offer, but I think that it's so underrated. And I think that they're, they're worthy of exploration because there's, I feel like there's even stuff within them that they don't even realize they have. That's just how I perceive it. There's just something within them that's, it's like this untapped potential. Uh, maybe perhaps even in a spiritual sense, maybe just being shamans, something, something that's just deep there that I just, it's like something, something that you have is, is something there. But yeah, they had this make money like this. Now, when it comes to, when it comes to material things, here's where it gets funny because this is where people tend to, they tend to do Taurus dirty. Now, I, I am aware that there is this kind of, at least with the Taurus men, there is this, this kind of 
pride, nah, arrogance. And yeah, I did it. Yeah, I did it. And I can do this and I can do this. And they may, they may wear their, uh, wear their success. They, they tend to wear it. It's, it's not as, now it can be obnoxious. It can be obnoxious. It can be, but, um, I don't know who, who gets it worse. I don't know if it's Leo or if it's Taurus, but Taurus, some Taurus, it's not, it's not often, but some Taurus will in fact wear their money. And um, that whole materialism thing is thrown off, thrown off on Taurus. Taurus aren't the type, and this needs to be very clear. Taurus, unless you're just a celebrity putting on airs, Taurus are not the type to, uh, to wear their, wear their money for social acceptance. They do not do anything to be, to be validated or approved for anyone. They come with their identity intact. They don't come with this, this seeking of approval and validation. No. They love earthly things. The thing about Taurus that many people don't understand is that they celebrate being on earth. And many people misconstrue that into thinking that it means that they are enslaved to material possessions and enslaved to seeking validation through material things. But that is far, so far, I said so far, so far from the truth. It's nowhere near the truth. Taurus people enjoy being on earth. They enjoy the earth and all that the earth has to offer. They are the closest to the, to the earth and know exactly what is there. That's why you may find so many Tauruses having multiple businesses, again, multiple streams of income. But the Taurus that don't wear their money, you'll find their money invested in their homes. You'll walk in their home and see a bunch of uh, holistic things and, and maybe like bamboo flooring or something of that nature to where it is. You can tell that they value, they value where they stay. They rule that kind of domestic home environment, and that is important to them. That, that provides them this, their stability. It provides them their sense of comfort. So their home is going to be decked the fuck out. <laughs> and if not, it's going to be decked in a sense where they have, they have that, that spiritual space of restoration. They, they have that, that good sanctum. That's what a Taurus will have. That's how they showcase their money. It's in different ways. And again, I don't know. I don't know, but one. No, I, I don't even know that person, honestly. But I don't know any Taurus that speaks on their money like that. They just have it. It's similar to, to Capricorn. Like Capricorn don't talk about their money. They just have it. <laughs> they just show up in, they just show up in the fine, the fineness. They show up in just, they just show up beautiful to me. And Taurus are the same. They just, they just have a little more personality. They have a little, a little more spice in how they show up. So, yeah, that's the Taurus. Um, I mean, there's a couple other things about them that I enjoy. You know, they, they have this, they, they have a, a fine understanding of their, of their sexuality and sensuality. Some, one of the funny things I, I, I notice is that they are the type in relationships, most of them, are the types who have their cake and eat it too or even have that, that mindset. And that may not fly for everyone in relationships with one when they find out at some point that Taurus may be the ones, just a little side, a little side. <laughs> I'm not putting y'all on blast, but I'm just saying 
they may be the type to be like, yo, I can do what I want. Like I can see other people, but you can't. If I cheat, that's me, but you can't. If you do that, that's grounds for termination. Like that's the, they tend to be a bit, a bit selfish in that way where they just, they, they want to have their cake and eat it too. And um, yeah, they may also just kind of be, they can also be, um, they can be a bit bossy. They may boss their spouses around. They may try to correct everything that they do. Now that, honestly, that is an unattractive quality. That's the, one of the main unattractive qualities that Atares has is that sometimes they can be a bit, a bit more just, that's not correct. This is what you should say. Yada, yada. And it's just, that can rub someone the wrong way and completely turn them off. And you may have found in Taurus season that may have been a thing. For me, it has definitely been a thing. People have been been just almost said some extra crazy, but there were a lot of things that were happening when I was going out and kind of like traveling and things. People were talking a lot of shit. And um, <laughs> it was just interesting to me. But there was a lot of different people trying to force their ideologies and try to force correct and do all this other stuff around around me during this time and, and and you might have even noticed it happened to you again this people trying to tell you about yourself there's been maybe some passive aggressive digging happening a, a lot of that has been happening um just a lot of stuff so yeah but that's a, that's that taurus energy it's like yo i do what i want but you can't <laughs> you can't taurus are they they do love to snack you may find oh i forgot how did i forget about the most important thing about health and wellness oh my goodness and the earth so you're going to find Taurus that are either heavily, heavily into the body, uh, not even like bodybuilding. I mean, just um, just working out. You're going to find Taurus that are that's the that's the aspect of health and wellness. You'll find them doing that or you may find them not doing that at all and just eating whatever they want and kind of looking like the like the spoiled. Uh, kind of like the spoiled boy king just eating cherries and, and then a bunch of cakes with a gold goblet and a crown and just talking about, it's just, it, it can be one or two. Just like, again, that, that's the more so underdeveloped Taurus, just kind of just, the, 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 it's, the focus has, is on just the emotional, just what I feel like doing <laughs> to, a, to an unhealthy degree. And then you'll find the other end of the Taurus, which is like, yo, my, my health is important. My wellness is important. I'm not eating anything with natural flavors on the, on the label. I don't do this. I'm not doing that. And you shouldn't do it either. This and that and the other. Like, you, you'll find them. And I find that, um, yeah, I found more. I found more Taurus in the sculpted body. I found more of them. Yeah, I see more of them than I do see kind of like the the quote hedonistic unquote <laughs> Taurus that just does whatever they want to do physically. But um, there's something I actually wrote down that I remembered to say. One thing that I have noticed about a Taurus is their skin. And I have, and I have said to myself, their skin is as smooth as the surface of Venus. <laughs> and you're like, ah. well, I didn't even know that the surface of Venus was pretty smooth because of just magma and just kind of just the heat and volcanic activity that kind of just smooths out the, the surface of, of Venus. But 
a lot of the Taurus people that I know, even if they don't necessarily eat the best, they just have clear, very minimal pores, smooth skin. It's just so smooth. You know, and of course, people say that because Venus rules Taurus and Venus rules Libra, by the way, um, that that could be why they just have such just beautiful aspects about themselves physically. But yeah, I just noticed that about them. They just, just nice faces, nice skin. They have a glow about them and they, they glow even stronger when they take care of themselves. Like that glow is unmatched. It's a different kind of glow. It's again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it sounds so extra to many, but it's, it's a, it's like a deep God, goddess glow. It's a glow that, um, it's like your DNA is on point <laughs> type of glow. Like we're mating with them. It is a wise decision type of glow, <laughs> like that type of glow. It's a much more realistic. You see it like you glow, you are healthy. This is this is what I like about. This is what I want from my life by looking at you. I want this, <laughs> you know, it's not just superficial kind of like, oh, you got on this gold jewelry. No, it's on the inside. You are so healthy and clean that one, it places me in position to to get to one to aspire to that and to get on that path. But it makes me want to kind of merge with you, you know, so interesting thing interesting interesting stuff but yeah let's um let's get on to venus wait do i have any notes anything else about taurus hmm oh yeah about their erratic yeah their erratic nature about them not feeling um stable in any way shape or form like if their bills aren't paid or if they for some reason have a gap in their identity then yeah they will act erratic but it's rare it's rare, but er their erratic energy comes from, again, just not feeling secure and stable. It's just not feeling secure and stable. So there's ways you can tap into that Taurus energy. It's just, um, one, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about just, oh, adopt a certain eating habit. No, I'm just, I would say invest in health and wellness. Um, learn about, learn about money. And not and not in the sense of learning about money just to just to have it like, ooh, I gotta have money. Like, ooh, that's that's not a that's not a Taurus. Like it's not about it's not about just making the money just just to floss. It's not about that. And even even if they do think like that, we don't know. We don't see it. So you can adopt that, but it's it's not about it's not about everyone seeing your money. Taurus are just, they, their heads are down all the time. They're just, they're chilling. They be minding their business. They real chill, real smooth. They don't have a lot of energy going on. You don't, they're not, they don't get crunk like that. It takes a lot to push them. But if you push them, it's a wrap. They will, they will kill you. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just, there's different ways to kind of like explore your Taurus your Taurus side, but yeah, definitely explore accounting or just explore different. Here's what you can do. Think about different ways you can, you can achieve multiple sources of income and actively, and actively write out a plan. They're, they are definitely structured and plan. Oh my gosh, if things will go according to their plans, woo, -hoo, yes, it's not, it ain't always, it ain't always the best. 
they um because they they're fixed they they just they have a certain structure with things but yeah that's another thing but yeah just kind of explore the explore the Taurus explore Taurus and then see how you can kind of like incorporate that energy into your life again remember when it comes to astrology or just astro all of those the, the different studies remember these they're not they're not just exclusive they're not something locked and hidden away these these things are said that you should be trying to assimilate all of the qualities within your person within your personality expression or within your life all the different things that these these things show up acquire them all and live them all you know all right so venus right so it's said that venus rules taurus and also libra um it's expressed in different it's expressed differently though like the beauty or that part that superficial part of it at least and libra is just kind of i we're not talking about libra right now but anyway so venus rules taurus and libra and so taurus is the feminine earth and libra is masculine air so when we get into venus let's just explore the planet venus and like why is venus called the planet of beauty and what is all this stuff about beauty and and what like what is this because as far as I'm concerned, from reading from, from what I've read about Venus, there's nothing beautiful about Venus to me. I mean, this is based upon that kind of dichotomous thing. But, all right, so Venus is extremely hot. It is the second planet away from the sun, Mercury being the first, and Venus being the second, Earth, we being the third, right? It is hot as balls on Venus, and that is due to there is carbon dioxide and sulfuric acid in the atmosphere of Venus. That carbon dioxide kind of uh, cloud, clouded thing, it's like a shield, almost, just think of it like that, in the atmosphere of, of um, Venus and, and that sulfuric acid. It traps heat, a lot of heat. And it's almost like they call it like the, the runaway greenhouse effect. It's like being Venus is like being on a greenhouse. So people call Venus the hellish planet. They call Venus hell, essentially, because it's hot as ball sacks. And there's volcanic activity on Venus. It's from a distance. It is extremely bright. But if you look at it on a closer scale, it has, it gives off kind of like this yellow bronze, kind of gold, kind of like a gold color, kind of gold, but it's like a yellow brown mix of color. And that's due to the, due to the sulfuric acids and things in the atmosphere or along the surface of planet Venus. So now there has been different writings and different texts about Venus in general before we get back into the kind of like the the planetary construction of venus that venus is the dawn and evening star uh so the morning and evening star meaning that it was the it's the brightest star at sunrise and the brightest star at sunset or the brightest planet rather and there has been um some type of lore that the name for Venus is Lucifer. So it kind of it kind of gets a little interesting because in the Bible, 
there is Lucifer's name is mentioned in Isaiah something. I think like 14, 13 or 14, 12, 14, 12, 14. Something about, oh, Lucifer, fall. Da, 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 da. Um, what is it? What the heck is it? It's like, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down into the ground? Da, 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 da. Um, so the thing with Lucifer is that if you think about the Bible, it was written in Hebrew, and Lucifer is a Latin word. So how the hell did, <laughs> how was Lucifer a Latin-ass word in a Hebrew manuscript? Like, it makes no sense. So Lucifer is always likened or compared, and people say that Lucifer is the devil, but there's been dialogue that, or some type of argument that that particular scripture is not about a fallen angel. So what I did was I was kind of just like, I was Googling and stuff like that. And then I came across this particular article that provides a bit more context. It's a WordPress article. I'm going to, well, I don't know what it is. It's probably an opinion piece, whatever it is, but I'm going to read it to you. And from there you can make your own deductions. But Let's just, just, just follow me here. So the author says, I consulted a scholar at the library of the Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. What Hebrew name, I asked, was Satan given in this chapter of Isaiah, which describes the angel who fell to become the ruler of hell? The answer was a surprise. In the original Hebrew text, the 14th chapter of Isaiah is not about a fallen angel, but about a fallen Babylonian king who, during his lifetime, had persecuted the children of Israel. It contains no mention of Satan, either by name or reference. The Hebrew scholar could only speculate that some early Christian scribes writing in the Latin tongue used by the church had decided for themselves that they wanted the story to be about a fallen angel, a creature not even mentioned in the original Hebrew text, and to whom they gave the name Lucifer. Why Lucifer? In Roman astronomy, Lucifer was the name given to the morning star, the star we now know by another name, Venus. The morning star appears in the heavens just before dawn, heralding the rising sun. The name derives from the Latin term lucifer, bringer or bringer of light. In the Hebrew text, the expression used to describe the Babylonian king before his death is Halal, son of Shahar which can best be translated as day star, son of the dawn. The name evokes the golden glitter of a proud king's dress and court, much as his personal splendor earned for King Louis XIV of France the appellation, the Sun King. The scholars authorized by King James I to translate the Bible into current English did not use the original Hebrew text, but use versions translated largely by St. Jerome in the 14th century. Jerome had mistranslated the Hebraic metaphor, day star, son of the dawn, as Lucifer, and over the centuries, a metamorphosis took place. Lucifer, the morning star, became a disobedient angel cast out of heaven to rule eternally in hell. Theologians, writers, and poets interwove the myth with the doctrine of the fall and in Christian tradition, Lucifer is now the same as Satan, the devil, and ironically, the prince of darkness. So, 
Lucifer is nothing more than an ancient Latin name for the morning star, the bringer of light. That can be confusing for Christians who identify Christ himself as the morning star, a term used as a central theme in many Christian sermons. Jesus refers to himself as the morning star in Revelations 22.16. And it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And so, there are those who do not read beyond the King James Version of the Bible who say Lucifer is Satan, so says the Word of God. So, it's just interesting to me. Um, I want to read more. I do want to read more. Henry Newfeld, a Christian who comments on biblical sticky issues, <laughs> went on to say, This passage is often related to Satan, and a similar thought is expressed in Luke 10, 18 by Jesus. That was not its first meaning. Its primary meaning is given in Isaiah 14, 4, which says that when Israel is restored, they will, quote, take up this taunt against the king of Babylon, unquote. Verse 12 is a part of this taunt song. This passage refers first to the fall of that earthly king. How does the confusion in translating his, this verse arise? The Hebrew of this passage reads, Helel ben Shakar, which can be literally translated, Shining One, Son of the Dawn. Which this phrase means, again, literally, the planet Venus when it appears as a morning star. In the Septuagint, a third century BC translation, of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek, it is translated as Heosphoros, which also means Venus as a morning star. So, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. Um, that whole part about Venus and just that, that just bit, there's, there's plenty of different, there's plenty of more spots. Now, um, let me see if I can give you the writer of this particular um, article. Hold on, let me scroll up because I got to give my sources. Um, well, it's a, it's a Google document, not a Google, it's a uh, <laughs> WordPress. I, can, uh, I will attach it or place it into the description in this podcast episode if you were curious. And I know many people who are, in fact, into, into that can, can probably school me and provide more information. But it's just interesting to see that, that whole, that little piece about Venus. And I was beginning to wonder, like, I wonder if Venus, the planet Venus, was never as hot as it was. And there was this type of thing where it became hot and hellish as a result of something. And I just thought it was interesting, just to kind of, just in a metaphorical kind of sense, just to kind of explore that a little bit more. But yeah, so there's that. But Venus doesn't have its own magnetic field, unlike the other planets. The other planets in the solar system have a magnetic field, some stronger than others, but Venus has, has nothing. As a matter of fact, it is under the influence of the sun's magnetosphere that it maintains its positioning. So it doesn't have its own magnetic field, which I thought was pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. But yeah, there's you know, all of the, the, the surface of Venus, again, it's smooth. And then you have these two continents on Venus and all of the places and just locations on Venus are named after women, either goddesses or of native women, but they're named after women in general. 
I thought that was also neat. So the same thing on Mercury. So planet Mercury's, their, their craters, now it's heavy, it's super, super cratered on, on Mercury. It gets beat up over on, on Mercury. But all of its craters have names after musicians, artists, writers, and things of that nature. So there's a reason why that is. And of course, you know, Mercury is called the messenger planet. But Venus is pretty interesting. I'll say that. All right. So let's talk about albedo for a hot second. What exactly is albedo? So albedo is a scientific kind of measurement of the amount of light absorption or reflection in a planet from the sun. So it's based on the, like a scale of zero to one. The closer it is closer, the closer it is to zero, the, the more absorptive of sunlight the planet is. The more, the higher it is or the closer it is to one, the more reflective it is. Now, of course, we have the planets and they all have their own albedo. So Venus is, is 0.75. Out of all the planets, it is the highest number of them all. Now, on Saturn, there is a, Saturn has a moon that's um, albedo is 0.99. But out of the planets, we're talking, like out of the main planets, we're talking about all of them, Mercury, which is right next to the sun, is 0.12. The moon is 0.12 and Pluto is 0.4, you know? And the reason why Mercury, you would think Mercury being so close to the sun would be a bit more reflective, but no. Mercury doesn't have an atmosphere like that. So as much heat and much sunlight as Mercury receives, it loses it pretty quickly. But it's taking all of that in. It's taking a lot of it in. It's not, it's not being trapped or it's not you know, being stored like that to where in its atmosphere to where you can see it. So Mercury is just receiving a lot of light, receiving a lot of what some liken light to knowledge. Um, it gets a little funny, but yeah, it's receiving a lot of that. And um, as well as the moon and the moon reflects it. But the moons, yeah, the moon's albedo was pretty low too. It is, Merc it is Venus whose albedo is pretty high up there. And again, why it is called that evening and morning star. Oh, and side note, the term venereal disease comes from Venus. <laughs> so, you know, because Venus also, it's said that Venus rules um, sexuality or fertility. And if you have any type of venereal disease, um, that root word is, that root word comes from Venus. Just a, just a little extra bit in there. But um, let's continue. Let's continue. Now, as you remember, we, talk, we talked about Mars a little bit. We talked about the planet Mars and its, um, its alchemical symbol, iron, and how iron is like a big thing up with, with Mars. But with Venus, each planet has its own alchemical, uh, alchemical symbol. Venus's alchemical symbol is copper. Here's an interesting thing about copper. It's said that copper was the first, the actual first metal ever used by man. And this was about 10,000 BC. And it was used for about five millennia until, until gold stepped on the scene, the second element. So, okay, why? Oh, this is, it makes me think about this whole Lucifer sun thing. Thinking about the, this whole biblical, um, some people like to say that the, the Bible is about it's about the solar system, essentially. And then when we think, when I, when I think about Lucifer and I think about the whole Venus thing and I think of the sun, being, which would be God or the Christ, um, I just can't help but wonder, like, yo, was Venus the very first planet here? And the sun came on the scene and was like, nah, like, 
I'm stronger than you. I'm going to burn brighter and I'm going to cook you to hell. But you cool, though. And then Venus was like, but wait, and then got super hot and all this heat got trapped. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. But copper was the first element. Uh, it was said the first element to be used by man. And then gold came on the scene about 4000 B.C. You know, and uh, copper is antimicrobial. It was used for it was used for uh, jewelry, um, mirrors, mirror making and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting as to why so many people associate Venus with the mirror and beauty because of that whole copper mirror. Um, copper is also abundant in women. So women are known to having more copper than men. And. That's a pretty interesting thing when you think about it. Copper is, um, it's, it conducts electricity. And we know how our bodies are producing electricity. We know that, right? We know that. Yeah, it just, it gets so, it gets so fascinating. Oh my gosh, I want to like link up with some scholars and talk about this. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, copper is, copper is pretty dope. Too much copper can make you crazy, know that. Um, copper, yes, it does conduct electricity. People, you, there's a lot of copper piping in your homes. Notice how a lot of people like to steal copper from your homes. If you live in a, uh, one of those kind of neighborhoods, copper piping and copper things are stolen because copper is worth a lot of money. But copper, yeah, it conducts electricity and is useful for a lot of other things. But yeah, it's also good for the body too. Um, but yes, so that's a neat thing about copper. But look up copper's use in the physical body you'd be surprised of how useful it is but it is great for emotions and never forget that copper and iron is together they are essential for creating red blood cells um yeah but yeah and in another sense copper wearing copper jewelry is good for charisma is good for um, attraction is good for it's it's more so on you it helps you to connect to those things and in some cases, yes, it could kind of make you attractive to other people, whatever. But that's, that's copper in a nutshell. Just not in a nutshell. That's copper briefly kind of spoken on, okay? All right. Um, <laughs> do I have anything else? No, but carbon dioxide and sulfuric acid. Oh, my gosh. How did I forget about sulfur? And then Venus has mad sulfur. Like, is, is Venus hell, bruh? Like, is Venus truly hell and we just are, is, is that what this is? Is Venus hell? Because, you know, the Bible always talks about sulfur and brimstone and all this other kind of stuff. And is, is that what this is? Are we talking about planet Venus when we talk about hell? Is that what this is, you know? Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm willing that I just, I humored you some and kind of, giving you something to maybe want to explore a little bit on your own but definitely take a look at that whole venus thing and give your taurus some love give them love taurus do a lot of work that many people do not see they are just by at least by my personal ideas <laughs> they're the they're just the healers they're the the untapped shamans of <laughs> of the zodiac give them some love you know give them some love their superpower is um it's having a great a great life on earth and a great lineage to come because you've been doing things here that are good for you 
in an internal sense and you're keeping your DNA right. All right. Um, did anything else? Taurus, I love you guys. Hugs, mad hugs. Um, <laughs> and I'm willing that someone was able to kind of articulate you to a degree. I mean, there's so much I didn't really talk about about the Taurus personality, but it's just, I don't want to go too long on this either. But just know that Taurus are, they keep to themselves, they mind their business, they do what they want, they mean well also, and they're not the messy type like that. You may find a couple, couple pig-headed Taurus energies, a couple dickheads, they're, they're rare, but it's more common in the males. The females can just be a little bossy, a little extra sometimes. They want to just, they, they can be a, a little bit much. It, they, they will sometimes make you want to leave them because, because they, they tend to somewhat micromanage people or micromanage their spouses. And this is, it could be a massive turnoff. Like stop correcting everything that I do and say, stop, stop making everything about you sometimes. That's a, that's a thing. But outside of that, Taurus are, Taurus are, uh, are lovely people. But um, yeah, that's all I wanted to share about the Taurus. I know it's the end of Taurus season. We are entering Gemini season. And I think I'm probably going to talk a lot more in Gemini season, just dropping more podcast episodes. But this, this, whole, this whole season for me has just been, it's been a bit more heavier work-wise and emotionally. Ugh. And you have that Mars and Cancer. It's just been an interesting blend of wanting to do work and then, and then also kind of slacking too. And then sometimes the work piles up. And then you just get overwhelmed and you knock it all out. And then it's anyway, guys, I love you all. Um, follow me on Instagram, the pain of fool hit me up on YouTube, the pain of fool. And I'm on Twitter as well. Pain of fool pod. I love to talk to people and just talk about random different things too. So anything that you see that we share some type of thing with, let's just connect. Oh yeah. I almost forgot about the bulls. So um, so in a, in a more, in a quicker sense, the bull is used for Taurus because of Zeus being a freak, uh, you know, and a lot of that mythology, the uh, mythology, th there's a lot, there are a lot of hoes and, and rape that happens. And so it was said that Zeus became, turned himself into a, I almost said a horse to a bull to get Europa's love. And because he respected the bull so much, he get, get named it a constellation in the sky. But in a more practical sense or in a more kind of regular sense, bulls are used in sacrifice and they're used, they're sacred animals. The meat is used to feed the villages once sacrifices are made and it's a symbol of replenishment. Of course, then there's the body parts of the, of the, the bull that stands for different things. You have the horns, then you have the overall personality of a bull, which is pretty calm unless provoked. There's, there's a bunch of different things, but again, it, to, to say that would, would me, would, mean I'd have to pinpoint the different cultures that respected the bull for those reasons. But in summary, a lot of them spoke to um, the bull's resoluteness and its connection to abundance, kind of like the buffalo in, in, um, in the natives, like na the buffalo symbolize a couple different things. But there's so many different symb um, symbols for the different animals. And I'm not going to cover all that, but yet just on a superficial sense, Zeus was a hoe and 
this is mad rape that's just takes, that takes place in these different um in the romans and the greeks so ain't nobody got time for that but um yeah take a look at why taurus is the bull and then why out of all out of all the other things in the zodiac wheel what makes the bull so significant to the water bearer or what makes you know you know it all ties in together so just take a look one day and just see what you can come up with but i'm not privy to that information i am not that advanced i did not reach those heights yet i have not ascended those heights for many reasons and that's not a job for me <laughs> i just like to kind of graze the surface and share what i've learned be a little a little knight of swords a little bit and just take some information real quick and get excited and just run with it and share it but um yeah guys i'm sorry i'm out i, I promise i'm out this time until such time <laughs> peace yeah.